2: On this Tuesday afternoon, to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com to find out everything that is happening. Great food, live gaming, you've got poker tournaments that are going all on all the time, golf at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and, of course, the amazing sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. All of that at Pearl River Resort. Resort. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. We'd love for you to uh, join the conversation on the Seaspire text line, 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world class IT professionals who live right here in Seaspire country. For more information, find them online at seaspire.com. Uh, slash business. Basketball on tap tonight, Ole Miss and Missouri, 6 o'clock from the Pavilion. Games on the SEC Network. You've also got LSU and Arkansas tonight on ESPN2 at 6 o'clock, and then Kentucky and Vanderbilt on the SEC Network tonight at 8 o'clock. So that is coming up. We're going to continue our countdown of 25 teams in 25 days. Today we are inside the state of Mississippi with an expert to talk about the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. That expert is their head coach, Scott Barry. He's gonna join now, us does on he the Farm know? Oh, what does he know? Uh Scott's gonna join us on the Farm Bureau guest line to begin the four o'clock hour. Then we'll really dive deep into Southern Miss's baseball team. Once again, ranked in the preseason top twenty. Uh, 11th nationally a year ago in attendance. Just a lot of good, a lot of momentum surrounding that Southern Miss baseball program. We'll look forward to previewing them coming up in the 4 o'clock hour today. Uh, But let's start in SEC football country. One state, to our east. Earlier today, the uh, news became official. I guess it was like right out of the gate this morning or maybe even late last night. Early a.m. Yeah. Um, there is a new offensive coordinator in New England. Wait, you said SEC football, Richard. Yeah, we're getting there. Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offensive coordinator, is making a return to the NFL, headed to the New England Patriots after agreeing to a deal to become their next offensive coordinator. That was originally uh, reported by Adam Schefter and Chris Lowe at ESPN. Bill O'Brien, for the last two years, has been the offensive coordinator under Nick Saban at Alabama. His career began in the NFL in 2007 as an assistant. In his first stint in New England, he rose through the ranks on Bill Belichick's staff to quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator, 29, 2010, 2011, three years in that role before moving on to be a head coach, first at Penn State. And then with the Houston Texans, and then when things didn't work out in Houston, he made the return to college to Nick Saban's staff, and now he is back once again in the NFL. Um, whoa, well, let's go surface level first, right? So Matt Patricia as the primary play caller this past year for the Patriots, despite pretty much being a defensive guy for his entire career, and now they get a bona fide offensive mind that's got NFL experience back in New England. So the Bill O'Brien angle of this first, how big a deal is this for for the Patriots, for Mac Jones, a former Alabama quarterback, though not one that was coached by
3: Bill O'Brien? Does
2: this make sense for New England and for Bill O'Brien?
3: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of sense. I mean, their offense, and in, in the way Belichick tried to do it this year, was a disaster. And, I mean, Bill O'Brien was an objectively fine NFL head coach. I mean, he won the division four times. Four mm-hmm. times he won the division. And so him just running an offense there, it makes sense. It makes total sense compared to what they tried to pull uh, this year. And then the move for Belichick, of course. Uh, and excuse me, the move for O'Brien is an absolute no-brainer, because as we say on this show often, a job coaching in the NFL greater than the same job coaching in college. Just kind of is what it is in that regard. So yeah, makes D- depending a ton of sense on all what around. your interest is, right? Sure. If if you're an X's and O's guy, you, and you're more suited for the NFL, great. I don't think Kirby Smart would be a good NFL coach. I don't think so. I don't think Ryan Day would be a good NFL coach. I don't think so. They're perfectly suited for college. Go get players and motivate them. They're not out scheming anybody. Kirby's defensive chops are pretty good. I mean, we're not worried about him
2: scheming offense.
3: Right but the NFL's just a different animal in, yeah. in that regard it's all it's all about scheme and putting guys in the right spots and the chess match whereas college it's about getting players and motivation either way makes a ton of sense uh, for for Bill Belichick for Bill O'Brien and here's Nick Saban again again replacing both coordinators again yes and we'll get to that side of it in
2: a second hey dad we talk a lot about guys going from the NFL to college or the college to the NFL, and at the head coach spot, there are not a lot of examples of guys going from college to the NFL and having that as a smooth transition. I don't know, maybe a coordinator a little bit different, but O'Brien, is he's been kind of a yo-yo for his career. He played at Brown and was a linebacker there, and then he was a coach at Brown for a couple of years, And then Georgia Tech, and then Maryland, and then Duke, and then he went to the NFL. And from 2007 until 2020, or uh, 2007 to 2013, he was in the NFL. I
1: don't have the
2: years right there. He was with the Patriots 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Then he went back for a short time to college at Penn State and had success there. Remember, he was. He was the one that came in and had to clean up the mess at Penn State. Mm -hmm. And he got that moving in the right direction. Then he goes back to the Texans. And Borky pointed out, he was was good with the Texans. Might not be the most personable guy. He's not lovable and huggable and all that good stuff. He's a football guy.
1: I consider him an NFL guy. I know he's been in college these past years, but Bill O'Brien is an NFL coach to me who was just moonlighting in college until an opportunity to get back to the pros presented itself for him. I I never got the impression that recruiting was his forte, and you know, with Nick Saban, that needs to be something you're you're focused on. I always have considered him a pro coach. So this is a move that makes a lot of sense for him, and it makes a lot of Alabama fans happy because they weren't too thrilled with Bill O'Brien anyway.
2: Okay, so that's the next part of the conversation. Alabama fans largely seem to be okay with moving on from Bill O'Brien. My question is why. What, why is Alabama excited to be moving on from Bill O'Brien, given what their offense has done for the last two years?
1: It's, is, is the national champion from the last two years named Alabama? No. Then there's their answer. They're not gonna get rid of Saban. He's the key. So you go to the next step down. You get rid of the coordinators.
3: It's it's illogical. I mean, I even had Alabama fans in my mentions today talking about how bad he sucked, and I said I thought sucked. What are you talking about? The, the the spoiled nature. I, I cannot wait for the day Nick Saban retires to, so reality will slap them so hard in the face. <laughs> I, I mean, that's never actually going to
2: happen, Borky. I'm sorry. Yeah, he is, got uh, Twenty years. He he is the ageless wonder,
3: and it's apt that his birthday is Halloween. It really is. Just makes so much sense on so many levels. But, uh, and what what I I can't wrap my mind around is. Pete Golding sucks. Nick Saban kept him on staff for five years. Bill O'Brien sucks. Got hired by arguably the greatest coach in the history of professional football. So if if Bill O'Brien is so bad, why did Nick Saban hire him? And why did Bill Belichick hire him? The greatest college football coach to ever live and possibly the greatest professional football coach to ever live. I would argue that it's inarguable, but whatever. Hired this guy to run their offense, but you think that he sucks. If you think that Pete Golding's bad, then obviously you think Nick Saban's judgment is bad, right? Because he kept him on staff for five years. So then, if they're so terrible, then what were they doing on Nick Saban's staff? But that requires logical thinking and having basic human intellect. Neither of which these people appear to possess. So, so
2: Alabama last year, the the season we just completed, offensively, they had pretty good numbers. Twenty twenty one, they had a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, but up pretty good numbers. Let's take a look at that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Is sports talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Oh you gonna take me home tonight? Oh
3: down beside that red firelight. Oh you gonna let it all hang out, fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go round.
2: So, Alabama football 2022 offensively, 41.1 points per game, 195 and a half yards on the ground per game, 281 and a half yards per game through the air. They averaged 477 yards per game. In terms of points per game, Alabama's 41.08 was second in the SEC. That was five points behind Tennessee and one one one-hundredth of a point better than Georgia. And then there was a seven-point fall-off down to LSU. If you're looking at uh, yards per game, Alabama was fourth in the SEC. Tennessee leading the way, then Georgia, then Ole Miss, then Alabama. Passing yards per game. They were down a little bit there. Fourth. And when I say down a little bit, they were down from what they were the year before in Bryce Young's Heisman Trophy winning season where they threw it for 133 or 330 yards a game. He also had a bum shoulder and missed a game. He did. So Tennessee led the league in passing per game. Mississippi State was second, Georgia third, and then Alabama fourth. Total yards per game? Uh, well, let's see. What have we got? I'm sorry, that's rushing yards per game. Rushing yards per game, Alabama was seventh. Ole Miss led the league at 256 per game, yet Alabama down at seven at 195 and a half. So the offense was statistically top five in every major category in the SEC this year. We can get into the defensive numbers, but this conversation really isn't about Pete Golding right now. By the way, looking back a year, Alabama was actually better offensively in terms of points per game this season than they were a year ago by a very small amount, like one and a half points. Their passing yardage was down pretty significantly, about 50 yards a game, but the rushing yardage was up this season from what they did a year ago. And again, health of the quarterback is one, and impact wide receivers is another. So... Haydad said it's as simple as, where does the national championship reside? For the last two years, the national championship trophy has made its home in Athens, Georgia. So we were talking about that this morning. And and Haydad says it's as simple as, they didn't win at all for two consecutive years, and therefore they've got to make changes. I might argue that Alabama fans, and maybe this is arguing the same thing, just kind of going at it from a different angle, but you get to the same conclusion. Alabama fans are comparing whoever their current coordinators are to whoever the best coordinators have been under Nick Saban at any point in his career. That's the standard that a coordinator has to meet. So who is that on the defensive side? Well, you've heard who Alabama fans are clamoring for. They want Jeremy Pruitt back, and they want Jeremy Pruitt back because they can't get Kirby Smart back. Kirby's been the best defensive coordinator and has done the best job of replicating Nick Saban's system, process, overall program. He's done it better than anybody else that's coached under Nick Saban. And he was smart in that he waited for an opportunity to go to a place that had the resources and the talent base and the commitment to replicate what Nick Saban has built at Alabama. Who are they measuring the offensive coordinator against?
1: It might be Lane. It's either Is it Lane, it Lane or Sark who
2: revolutionized I mean. the offense?
1: Yeah, it's it, either Lane or Sark. One of one of the two.
2: Or Brian Dayball.
3: It's probably...
1: Dayball's one year there. They didn't win the national title, I think. So I don't. I don't think that that's the guy.
3: It's but it's crazy though. They, I mean, they went to the national championship and had a Heisman it's Trophy not. winner. It's insane. And in it's one not. of their losses, the the one of the losses that kept them out of the playoff, they scored forty nine points. And the other, they scored thirty one well, on the road. I mean, well, that's that's why they
1: want Golden gone too. Yeah, the <laughs> defense wasn't good enough. You said it before we went to the break, Richard. You said, look at their numbers. They're pretty good. Pretty good's not good enough for Alabama. They want to be the best.
3: Yeah. Well, then they hired Jeff Levy, who had uh, an early-round draft pick at every position, plus Dylan Gabriel, who threw for 8,000 yards, and they couldn't score in the Big Twelve. So that's gonna, if that's who they hire. That's hired, not the upgrade you're looking for, there, boys. I, I mean, my gosh, I've I, I've struggled all day to wrap my and it's fandom. I mean, fans sometimes can be irrational, but uh, these are especially irrational because. And I would love hold to on, just, hold on. No, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Jeff Lebby.
2: I mean, is that the direction that we think they're going to finish? Some people are talking about that today. How about this coach? Swapping between Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban. <laughs> Jeff Levy works under Lane Kiffin, follows, follows him to Ole Miss, goes back to Oklahoma. Nick Saban needs a new offensive coordinator. He go get, goes and gets what he thinks is another version of Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin needs a defensive coordinator. What does he do? He goes and gets Nick Saban's guy. <laughs> it's like... I'm not uh, promoting man. this idea, but maybe Lane Kiffin and Nick, Nick Saban need to be co-head coaches somewhere.
3: I don't think Saban would let Lane work for him again. I sure, I sure don't think he would let him be his equal. <laughs> oh no, I. Well, <laughs> he was, you think <laughs> he couldn't stand him uh, if he was his equal? But no, I, I would love to just sit one of these people down and say, "Okay, you tell me that Pete Golding." And Bill O'Brien suck. Well, then why did Nick Saban keep them on his staff for a combined seven years? Because he didn't believe that. So then are you telling I, I me think, that Nick Saban think, doesn't have good judgment? Doesn't I, I understand what the Borky, good defense and offense is? You, you can't combine those two and say a combined seven years. Well, five years for one and two on for own. the other. So then why was Golding on staff for five years? And I mean, I had somebody tell me today, Nick Saban fired Bill O'Brien. No, he didn't.
1: Well he he processed them. He processes coaches the same way he processes players.
3: He, he processed not, Bill O'Brien to just, a better job.
1: You O'Brien suck. might be so the go ex- get a better job. O'Brien and, may not be no. the right example. Golding is the better example.
3: I, I don't
2: I don't think that's entirely right in either scenario. Now you may say, hey Dad, that I'm playing a game of semantics. I don't think there was ever a conversation where Nick Saban said to Pete Golding or to Bill O'Brien, guys, you you really need to find somewhere else. It's time. I don't think that ever happened. I think the way it happens is if you're an offensive or defensive coordinator for Nick Saban, there are overtures that come your way every single year. Now, some of them you just dismiss out of hand, right? Like, I'm not leaving for that. I'm not leaving this for that. And then there's some of them that merit more thought, whether it's family ties or career advancement or whatever the reason is. And for the ones that merit more thought, you have to have a discussion with your boss. Right? So you, you, you talk to Nick Saban about it. And this is where the semantics piece comes in. I don't think Nick Saban ever says to those guys, you need to go look for another job. I think it's when he comes and talks to them, he goes, might be a great opportunity for you. Or he doesn't try to sweeten the deal to keep you. He doesn't push back against you taking another job. Because Pete Golding had been approached before by Ole Miss and other people in previous years, and Nick Saban fought to keep him. It doesn't appear that Nick Saban fought to keep Pete Golding on his staff this year. I have no idea what it was like for Bill O'Brien. But my guess is if Nick Saban says to Bill O'Brien, no, you you can't leave. I have to have you running this offense. We got a new starting quarterback next year. You are my guy. And then does whatever it takes to keep him. Then he's probably able to keep him. But instead, Bill O'Brien says to Nick Saban, I got the opportunity to go to the NFL we we'll go back and work with Bill. And and, and oh, by the way, should we, we shouldn't forget
3: the relationship that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have. Yeah. Tight. Hmm. I I mean, I I would be shocked if there was anything Nick Saban could have done to have gotten Bill Bill O'Brien to say no to the Patriots.
1: I mean, it's a better job. Yeah. It is. An NFL offensive coordinator job is a better job than being a college offensive coordinator. It just is. Might not pay as much. Why not you're not you working right recruit. now though and man that's yeah that's a much different i mean especially for o'brien who like i said i consider him an nfl guy
2: sports talk mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv so the question is moving forward where does alabama go for an offensive coordinator and for a defensive coordinator sports talk mississippi we'll be right back
0: Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: So the question moving forward for Alabama is who's next on both sides of the ball to lead units. Offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Bill Bender with a great story at Sporting News. Where he points out a couple of things that are pretty interesting. This will be the fourth time under Nick Saban, and the first time since 2019. Where he has had to replace both coordinators in the offseason. But it's the third time in the last six years that it's happened. In 2018, he won the national championship with first time coordinators Mike Loxley and Tosh Lupoy. Under Nick Saban, Alabama will now have a ninth offensive coordinator in 17 years. Major Applewhite in 2007. Jim McIlwain from 2008 through 2011, Doug Nussmeier for two years, Lane Kiffin for three years, Brian Dayball for a year, Mike Loxley for a year, Sark for two years, Bill O'Brien for two years. McIlwain is the only one out of that group that won multiple national championships. Or the only offensive coordinator on staff when the team won multiple national titles. 2009-2011. The other coordinators to win a title at Alabama, Nussmeyer in 2012, Kiffin in 15, Dayball in 17, and Sark in 2020. So Bill asked the question, did Alabama's offense drop off with Bill O'Brien? He says, talk about an impossible standard. In 2020, under Steve Sarkeesian, Alabama averaged 48.5 points per game with an offense that featured not one, not two, but three Heisman Trophy candidates. Devontae Smith, the ultimate winner, Mac Jones, and Najee Harris. And then Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy with Bill O'Brien calling plays. So who's next? There is not an internal candidate. These are the names that Bill. Bender puts out there Jeff Levy, offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, that was, or at Oklahoma, that was at Ole Miss. Jason Garrett, (laughs) former Cowboys coach who was rumored to be in the Stanford coaching search. (laughs) Yes. That might be the first sign that Nick is losing it.
1: Cliff Kingsbury. Now we're talking. Now we're getting somewhere. Not likely, but, you know.
3: I don't, I don't I don't think that he is a, a football guy in the same way Matt Rule is. I, I really believe him when he says I'm in Thailand with this super hot foreign Instagram model. My phone's off. I'll call you in a couple of years. <laughs> He's in Thailand. Tuscaloosa's got a great Thai restaurant. I'm sure it does. What, I mean, what was what was bet, AJ I McCarron's was. uh Asian restaurant? Was it uh, Asian AJ Asian?
1: <laughs> that's, that's... Yeah, Asian. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm not. Is I'm not for canceling people.
3: Yes, yes. I'm very yes. anti-cancel culture. We should have canceled AJ McCarron for that one. Okay, he doesn't need to be doing uh. stuff in public after that.
1: But yeah, <laughs> we have a good Thai mean, restaurant here in Starkville too.
3: There's no get, shot get, cliff get, is get here coming back to get getting the Nick Saban because he doesn't need the coaching rehab the way other guys do. He he had really good offenses in a weird situation in Arizona. He doesn't need the Saban rehab. I could not imagine being him with the millions of dollars that are coming my way, after working in the NFL, getting yelled at by a five foot nothing seventy four year old man. There's just no way he would assign himself to that lifestyle. There's no way.
2: It appears as if Asian, Asian, A J I A N is uh, is still open in Tuscaloosa.
3: Oh. Mm. You you gotta support the, the chest tat, you know?
2: I mean the decor doesn't look great in there, but Yeah.
3: And wow, you know, that Karen's... looks boring. That picture's terrible. It's just all beige. Yeah, it's 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 not good. Wait, anyway. what they should have done is is just taken like uh a, a graphic of his chest tattoo and put that on the wall. That would have been a nice touch. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't want. You know, I don't mind build your own burrito or build your own burger. I'm not going with build your own sushi. I'm. I'm. I'm going to let the sushi guy make the sushi for me. I don't. I don't. I don't want to try to put it together. I don't have the expertise.
2: Kevin Steele was Nick Saban's first defensive coordinator. Remember that name? 2007. And then it was Kirby. Alabama won 4 national championships with Kirby Smart as its defensive coordinator between 2008 and 2015. So, let's let's rewind
3: all the way back to the end of 2011 when Hugh Freeze was hired as the head coach at Old Miss. Would Kirby Smart have taken that job? I don't know. Cuz if I remember correctly, there was some kind of communication, whether it was preliminary, whether it was interview, I, I don't know. I mean, that was a long time ago. But could you imagine what today would be like had he taken that? What, what, would, we, what would we be talking about today? And who would we be talking about today had that been Kirby Smart instead of Hugh Freeze?
2: Um, that's a really interesting
3: question. Because he probably would have ended up at Georgia anyway, right? Especially if he had some success yeah. at Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, My it, gosh, they would, have, they would have. And he would have left, of course. So it's alma mater, better job, all that. But it wouldn't have been a disaster. There, there, there wouldn't have been the scandal. Wouldn't have happened that way. I've, at least you don't think so. So what would have the program been like when he left? Who would have been his replacement? It, it's one of those webs. Yeah. And he would have won, too.
1: No mention of those candidates of Mike Bobo?
2: Only on the Ceasefire text line. Oh, okay. You can join the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. It was uh, Mike in Oxford, by the way, hey, Dad, that suggested Bobo to Bama. Great
1: minds thinking alike.
2: There's some alliteration there,
3: and it's perfect. I mean, he's qualified to wash Nick Saban's car. Hmm. So, after Kirby, it was
2: Jeremy Pruitt for two years with a national title. Then Tosh Poy and uh, Pete Golding, co-coordinators in 18, and then Golding took over the full-time job through last year. They won a national championship with Pete Golding as the defensive coordinator in 2020. Yeah, but he sucks. Remember? This year, Alabama had a top-10 scoring defense at 18.2 points per game. Now, of course, there were two hiccups this year. In those two hiccups, they gave up a
3: bunch of points. Gave up 52 in a loss to Tennessee. In fairness, seven of those came from a Tennessee defensive score, but still. That means yeah. you know 45. It means there are 45. 45 okay. others. <laughs> and they gave
2: up 32 in a loss to LSU. And in those two losses allowed... About four hundred seventy yards a game. Yeah, and we're called for a bunch of pass interferences.
3: Are they gonna? Are they gonna bring Jeremy Pruitt back? That's a litmus test, right? Because it's it's not just about Jeremy Pruitt to me. It's about Will Wade. Also. Because if you're a college basketball program, any of them. In this era, you want to hire Will Wade. At least I think you do. He wins. I mean, all joking aside, he's a winning basketball coach. And he'll fund his own NIL program, as we've learned. But his crimes were paying players. Legal now. But can you hire him before resolution? Jeremy Pruitt's program at Tennessee paid players. That was his crime. That His wife helped pay rent for a player. They had Chick-fil-A bags with cash in them. You don't even have to do that stuff anymore. You just pay the kids. So Jeremy Pruitt's crime was paying players. That's it. So can you hire that person before resolution comes? And if that resolution comes, are you for lack of a better term, are you are you screwed? Like what what happens there? Because that's all think, they did I, wrong. Look,
2: I don't think you worry about that if you're Nick Saban. If there's no resolution and you don't think there is going to be before the end of the season and you believe that Jeremy Pruitt is ready to go as your defensive coordinator, then you hire him. And then if he gets popped with the show calls, you just fire him and hire him another coordinator, which kind of happens just about every year
3: anyway. So what difference does it make? I mean, what's the downside? Seriously, like I'm not trying to be obtuse, but what is the downside to hiring Jeremy Pruitt? Oh my gosh, the Jeremy Pruitt yeah. NCAA scandal where his program paid players, and by
0: no, the way, the, I also the,
3: read the my downside, story about Jaden Rashada. You know, the the downside is
2: that he gets a show cause that pops in September, and you can't get through the season without having to fire him. And you don't have somebody else on staff that you feel good about being your defense, of course. Do
3: you have to fire him right away? It's just it's a recruiting thing, right? You don't have to terminate your coach if he gets a show call. It's he's just he can't recruit. So you just suffer through the season with one less recruiter. You're Alabama.
2: Yeah. Maybe there's not much downside. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at Supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. We're back after this
0: sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like the show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Message on the Seaspire text line. We as Alabama fans do not want Bobo. We want a Saban stooge that will run it as told to by Saban. Bobo will bring his own ideas with him. No, thank you. No, he wouldn't. No.
1: no. no that's, what?
2: That's not why you don't want Bobo. You won't. you don't want Mike Bobo because he's, he's not good at his job.
3: Not because he's not a Saban stooge. Well, But he would do literally anything Nick Saban told him. I mean, anything. Go wash my car, Mike. Yes, sir. Get me coffee. I want a cappuccino this morning, though. Coach, that's a weird order, but... Yes, sir. Hey, with almond
2: milk, please. <laughs> Pruitt was just a
3: little ahead of his time. Another message there on the C Spire text line. Well, Jeremy Pruitt's a crazy person, by the way. D- d- when he was coaching at Tennessee... I don't know how they got on this subject, but he either honestly doesn't know or pretended like he did not know what asparagus was. This is an adult man in his late 40s with children and behind a microphone at a podium claimed he was unaware of what asparagus was, had no idea what it was when the word was said to him, pretended like, yeah, but he
2: also claimed he didn't know it was election day a couple of years ago. I mean, come on. No, that was Saban.
3: Oh, that's, you're not talking about Saban. I'm talking about Jeremy Pruitt. Uh,
1: Pruitt said he didn't know what asparagus was.
3: Yeah, yeah, I believe that actually. <laughs> Never mind. I can't trust a guy that doesn't know what that is, though. There's a difference between I don't like it and I have no idea what that is. You know. I mean, he wasn't using to-go bags from
2: AJ Ian Asian. <laughs> it was. The chicken sandwich
3: bags. I wonder if the employees at Chick-fil-A said my pleasure when they're putting the money in the bags to give to the players.
1: I don't think Chick-fil-A was involved in this. I think they just had, somebody went and got a chicken sandwich and they had the bag and they just. Oh,
2: they're Georgia people, right? Yeah, he put it in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're from yeah, Chick-fil-A is a Georgia bait. They're probably very upset that this was involved with Tennessee recruiting.
3: That, that explains a lot though. No wonder Kirby's getting all these players. You think that's why? No. Me either. But hey, by the way, stat of the day. It, I, I the, the more I think about it, the more hey that is spot on about why Stetson Bennett was what he was because he was an adult man playing amongst college kids. The the two quarterbacks playing in the NFC Championship game, both of them are younger than Stetson Bennett. And Jalen Hurts is on his third year of being a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he is younger than Stetson Bennett. Hurts is 24, Purdy's 23, Stetson Bennett's 25 if he does play in the NFL, Stetson Bennett will be 26 before the first preseason game of his career. Also,
2: if we're doing the math correctly here, the combined ages of Purdy and Jalen Hurts are right at Tom Brady's age. Yeah. Brady, 46, about to be 47, but is that of, right?
1: But, but think about it like... We, we were talking yesterday about Will Rogers. You don't think he's a pro quarterback. That's fine. What if Will Rogers went back to Brandon for a year? <laughs> How good is Brandon? Does Brandon win the state championship if Will Rogers gets to go back and be their quarterback at age 22, 23? Yeah, I I don't think know. So. What's their
2: offensive line like? D- Joe, Joe Burrow, I don't know.
3: I don't really care. Joe Burrow is one year older than Stetson Bennett. Patrick Mahomes is two years older. Imagine if Burrow was still at LSU. What does that team look like? Feels like they'd be pretty good. Joe Burrow. They'd be pretty good. Just turned 26. He just turned 26. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Young Stinson guys. it's an old man. Young guys. Getting it done. It's an old man's strength. We will uh, we will pivot away from the football conversation and get to some baseball as we transition to the four o'clock hour. Going to start things off with Scott Barry, the head baseball coach, at the University of Southern Mississippi, the Golden Eagles, back in the top twenty going into the season. A challenging schedule as always. Some big pieces back, some new faces as well. We'll get the full breakdown from Scott Barry as we begin the four o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up in just a couple of minutes. Robert in Oak Grove says, how long before NIL happens in high schools? States are currently working already. on that. It's already happening in some, isn't it? Tennessee. Tennessee
3: is one of them. College athletes have value. Some college athletes have value that extend beyond the scholarship that they are given. They do. Marketability, whatnot. I mean, Zion Williamson, for example. I mean, people... That the president of the United States went to a Duke game to watch Zion play. There is not a single high school athlete that has true marketing value. Oh, we disagree. Unless they're on an Olympic sport going for gold medals, that's strong. Day. Disagree. Bronny, Bronny's your exception. Yeah, it's because his
2: yeah, yeah. It, it may be because of his dad, but but he's the exception right now.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. What? On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, 4 o'clock hour. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios, PearlRiverResort.com. That's where you can find out everything that is happening at the Golden Moon and Dancing Rabbit and all of the other good stuff they've got going on right now. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. A familiar voice on your radio back with us as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2023 college baseball season. Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. You've gotten some nice practice days already. The weather's cooperated, maybe in for a little bit of a cool stretch over the next couple of weeks. But, Coach, uh, we're getting close. It's almost here.
4: tell you, Richard, it didn't take long to get back around here either. It seems <laughs> so, uh, But we're excited. You know, there's a lot of – energy and and, uh, excitement about our program. I think college baseball as a whole across the country, it just doesn't do anything but continue to get bigger and bigger.
2: So I I don't want to dwell on this at all, but I am curious about drive going forward. Based on the way the season ended, so much excitement, the, the Super Regional come up short there at the very end. Does that fuel your guys into the off season, or is it a little bit different because guys kind of scatter all over the place with summer league baseball all over the country? Some guys have to actually take a little bit of time off just to get the rest that they need. But what does the way one season ends mean to the next season?
4: If there's only one program in the country that ends on a winning note, obviously, and and everybody else is trying to try to get that feeling the next year, and certainly when you have momentum in your program and how how we went so deep last year and into a super regional, uh, I can't help but think that our guys are excited about the opportunity at hand, knowing what they missed on last year and and knowing the work that was put in to get to that feeling that we had and and that achievement of, of almost being to Omaha uh, in the year prior.
2: Scott, I'm, I'm looking at your offensive returning players. If I'm looking at this right, it's five of the top six hitters and six of the top eight from a year ago. And it's not just guys that swung it well. It's guys that played every day. 66 starts for for Dustin Dickerson. 60 for Slade Wilks. 66 for Danny Lynch. Obviously, you lose Gabe Montenegro behind the plate. Peto starts 61 games last year. Sargent gives you 66 starts. You've got a ton of experience coming back, and not just experience, but high-level production from those guys.
4: Well, we do, and, you know, it's not just from last year. It's from the year before that. Uh, You know, we we ended the season in that regional in Oxford against Ole Miss, so we've got a ton of experience in that position player side of guys who have had that postseason experience, and uh, hopefully that, you know, moves us into this year and and they'll be the leaders of uh, of these new guys and trying to steer us and trying to get in that postseason play again.
2: You're still three and a half weeks from opening day. Talk to me a, a little bit about guys on the mound. Everybody knows about Tanner Hall, This the incredible numbers that, that he had a season ago, the, the strikeout numbers, the fact that he didn't walk anybody, the batting average against was low, so much experience on the mound. Certainly, my assumption is he is the anchor of your staff. But what about the other guys?
4: Well, you know, last year we had uh, Matt Adams really up there uh, late in the year for us and has continued that development through the fall and into this early spring. Nico Miza, a uh, kid from MRA over in Jackson, didn't get much time last year as a true freshman, only really, I think, about a third, three and a third or three and two thirds of an innings, but has looked outstanding in fall our fall camp. Uh, he's really been excited about him we've added a couple of pieces uh with some juco kids from from mississippi will armistead and holland towns both junior college kids here in our state billy odom's another kid that we reached out and and were able to get here from the train through the transfer portal a kid from eastern connecticut had a ton of success at the division three level now obviously this level of d1 is is different there's going to be an adjustment factor there but you know he's got the pitch ability that that we're looking for, and uh, in replacing um, of some of those guys that we lost last year.
2: Visiting with Scott Berry, head baseball coach at uh, at Southern Miss, it's gonna it's going look different this year. For for a couple of years, it feels like we've been talking about conference affiliation, and I, I don't know if you feel this way. I, I know when we look at it, we see Sunbelt Conference. It feels like outside looking in, home sweet home. Uh, you know, some some natural rivalries that are built in there. An exceptional baseball league. What are your thoughts on finally being a part of the Sun Belt and and trying to chase after a conference crown here?
4: Well, it's I thought it was a great move on our part, Jeremy McLean, uh, getting us into this this Sun Belt. It's going to create, like you said, certain rivalries that are that are close by that our fans can attend and theirs can. Conference USA, you know, it is what it was. I mean, it was Conference United States of America. I mean, you were zigzagging all over the place. <laughs> just, you know, it just didn't produce the, the the atmospheres that that you would like. But this new conference will, and it's, I think it's going to be a very strong conference, a top five RPI with the, with ourselves uh being coming in the mix as well as old Dominion and James Madison we'll see what Marshall has to bring they're they're committed to building a new 22 million dollar stadium there and have some new leadership so certainly that's going to make uh, our our conference stronger w- with time I would think but True challenge, Sunbelt's always been traditionally a good conference. Uh, but you know, Richard, Conference USA has been a good baseball conference too. You know, I'm not gonna take yeah. anything away. It's it's been uh it's 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 been really good. It's held its own, but I think that uh the Sunbelt certainly is gonna be much improved and be a very solid conference.
2: And certainly Conference USA was good to you guys. You you mentioned Marshall Stadium a second ago. That's a good jumping off point. I was gonna ask you uh, Jeremy McLean is is such a proponent of Southern Miss baseball, college baseball. What's on the drawing board? What what's next for Pete Taylor Park? Because it it, it to me it feels like there's been kind of incremental improvement, right? I mean your your attendance was so good. You have got the sky boxes, sold out of season tickets this year. The lights have been added. The field has been redone in recent years. The new video board. All of those things. What's next in in terms of kind of continuing to develop and grow Pete Taylor Park?
4: Well, I think it's going to have to be improve our capacity of um, being able to get more fans in there. Right now, we've we've sold 3,400 season tickets. Uh, You know, last year we set a record of 2,800, so the demand is certainly there uh, for for some type of – facility enhancement to get more people in so i think what we don't want to do is we don't want to build too big of a stadium where that demand isn't there and uh you know it's a it's a really great atmosphere for college baseball here we're proud of this this park and what it brings but you know i think what you're going to see in in the next two three years is is certainly some renovations that 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 allow us to get more people in
2: Scott, we talked a little bit a a year ago about Transfer Portal and NIL and what that could mean for Southern Miss. Obviously, you you lose some pieces because of that, and and that part of it's disappointing. But do do you see opportunities there for you as well to be able to uh, continue to build your roster as necessary through the Transfer Portal and and maybe have some opportunities for guys to, to benefit individually as well?
4: Well, you know, I think that's certainly insurance for everybody. You know that you have that's never been a factor in in recruiting and roster replacement. One thing that we battle in in college baseball that no other sport is, is that draft and how late it is in the summertime. I mean, you're looking at the third week of July, and most schools are starting a month later. So there's not much time to go out and and find those replacements for for what you lost. You know, in our In our situation, we lost five guys to the draft last year, all pitchers that could have come back. So, you know, time's pretty short to try to replace that. But the transfer portal does give you an opportunity to do that. I mean, there's certain things about the transfer portal I like. Uh, There's certain things that I don't like. But it is here, and it's probably here to stay, so we're all going to have to adjust and and learn how to use it uh, to benefit us and and the student-athlete as well.
2: You've always talked to me about team chemistry and the importance of guys wanting to be at the ballpark, loving the game, putting the work in. Are you deep enough into getting ready for this season to have a sense of what kind of chemistry you may have with your guys on this team?
4: No, I don't think so. I think that works its way uh, through the process of uh, those that uh, you know, are, are not playing, uh, how they handle that, you know, um, are they uh, kind of pouting over there, or are they, are they good teammates and, and being ready for the opportunity? We talk a lot about that. You know, we can only put nine guys out there at any given point during that game. So my message to them is be one of those nine at any point during that game to help us win a game. And that means being committed to do whatever it takes, having a great attitude, uh, being able to pinch hit, being able to pinch run, being able to come out left on left, get a lefty out, whatever it is. you know, Put your feelings aside where you're not getting what you thought you were going to get, but you know that, that it's important to the team to be ready to deliver. And I think once your team establishes that uh, through, in our case, all 37 players, And that's when you'll understand if chemistry is is a part of your team or not. Fortunately, last year, I think, um, with I've been 39 years now. This is the 39th year of college baseball as as an assistant or a head coach. But last year's team achieved chemistry sooner than any other team that I've Mm -hmm. ever been a part of. And it it was created by those at the top, the leadership within that, that clubhouse, Making those guys understand and getting everybody on the same page of what it's all about to be to be a part of Southern Miss baseball team, and I don't think there's any other program that isn't trying to achieve that same feeling as well. It's not just us; it's everybody.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Great conversation, as always, with Scott Barry. If you were worried, he got cut off at the end. It was the very end of the conversation. The timing was absolutely perfect. You didn't miss anything there as we went to commercial break. Scott Barry joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do right here in C Spire country. Cspire.com slash business. So let's continue our countdown. We will add to our conversation with Scott Barry. It's 25 teams in 25 days. All right. A bunt to third.
3: James to first. He's out. What a way to end it! And what a way to end a drought. Mississippi State, the national champions,
1: destroying Vanderbilt nine nothing. One two pitch. Struck him out from last four in to last team standing. Ole Miss has won the College World
3: Series. Say, it's baseball Baseball. season. Yeah, say, let's go. go. Say, I love baseball. And it's 25 teams in 25 days. And say, hotty-tony. And Hail State.
2: Southern Miss, we mentioned it a second ago. So much returning from that team a year ago. Dustin Dickerson, leading hitter last season with a 320 average and 32 runs batted in. He started all 66 games. Slade Wilkes hit 288, the second leading hitter, Danny Lynch, back. He hit 286. Carson Peito, freshman that was so good a year ago, hit 271. Christopher Sargent is uh, eligible for AARP after this season. He hit 269 last year. You got Reese Ewing back. Rodrigo Montenegro is back. So many familiar names in the everyday lineup for Southern Miss. And that's got to feel like a good starting point, guys, for, for Scott Barry.
1: Yeah, but you will miss Doctor Gabe Montenegro, who, uh, after getting his sixth degree from the University of Southern Mississippi, uh, has moved on. So yeah, I mean, this is a year. I mean, it, you, you you took a, another step last year. You you got out of the regionals and you hosted a super regional. There's only one. There's there's only two steps left. One is to get to Omaha, get back to Omaha if you're Southern Miss, and they got a lot of great pieces to do that. I think playing in the Sun Belt, you know, they were a host last year, but playing in the Sun Belt, if they can have similar success, you could be looking at being a top eight seed if you have the same kind of record you had a year ago because you're just going to have a higher RPI. So this is, this is, a, this is a big year for Southern Miss. They need to capitalize on it, and I think they got the pieces to do it.
2: I'm going to read Tanner Hall's stat line because it's been a while. It's been a few months, and it's just staggering when you look at the numbers. He was 9-3 and in 17 starts and 19 total appearances. 281 ERA, the whip, which is walks plus hits per inning pitched, was 1.03. He threw 109 innings with only 98 hits allowed and only 34 earned runs. Fourteen walks and one hundred forty-six strikeouts. <laughs> With an opponent batting average of two thirty-three. Staggeringly good numbers. I feel like you can win some games when when you do that. No question. Now, flip side of that is huge loss in Hurston Waldrop moving on. Hurston Waldrup's gonna be part of the rotation at the University of Florida this year. And he was really, really good last year for Southern Miss. He was another guy with just incredible strikeout-to-walk numbers, 140 strikeouts, 33 walks. It's just outstanding. And you heard Scott Berry mention they lost five guys to, to the draft. And so in a lot of ways kind of retooling that pitching staff, he mentioned a couple of names, and I don't think this was necessarily giving us a weekend rotation. We know Tanner Hall is going to go in game one, but he mentioned Matt Adams, who only pitched in nine games, but kind of came on strong at the end of the year, and Nico Mazza. I think, yeah, he pitched in the, uh, in the super regional. Pitched well in the super regional against Ole Miss. Was a freshman last year from, uh, from MRA right there in Madison. So, Some guys, but there are also going to be some new names and some new faces on the mound. New league. They open with a series at home against Liberty on February 17th, and they've got UNO at home, then three games at home against Illinois. So seven straight home games before playing Mississippi State in Pearl, then a three-game series with Dallas Baptist. So that's nine of their first – no, I didn't even do that math right. That's 10 of the first 11 games at home. So a chance to get out of the gate strong. Then they play Ole Miss in a midweek game in Oxford. It's the first Tuesday in March. And then they host Valpo before they jump into league play. And the league schedule for Southern Miss is at Texas State, Georgia Southern at home. Georgia Southern really good last year. That'll be a huge series in the uh, next to last weekend of March. They go to Troy. They go to Old Dominion. They host James Madison. Go to Coastal Carolina. They get Arkansas State at home, South Alabama at home, then at ULM, and they finish it up with Louisiana. Final weekend of the regular season. It's a great slate. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. what a way to finish it, right?
1: That's a that's a that's a tough series to finish out, man. That could be that could easily be a series that decides the conference championship.
2: No question. 100%. Sunbelt Championship will be in Montgomery, Alabama this year. So the, the the break from hosting the conference tournament at Pete Taylor Park that uh, had become a fairly regular thing for uh, for Southern Miss, there's a ton to be excited about if you're a Southern Miss baseball fan. I thought what he said about the uh, the ballpark itself was interesting, right? I mean, they've... Incremental improvement is is the way I described it. It, It's not piecemeal at all. It's you do what you can with the money that you've got when you've got it. They did the stadium expansion with the skyboxes and the press box several years ago. They did the new playing surface a few years ago with the the artificial surface. There's a new video board. They've got the LED lights. There's so much that is good there. And when your season ticket numbers bump up by six hundred year over year, and you've sold the stadium out with season tickets, you've only got general admission tickets available. You got to think about building a, you know, more seats. And I'll be interested to see how they expand. Right? Will it go down the left field line? Will they do something with the uh, the hitting facility there? Maybe move that to a different location and expand down the left field line. I don't know. We'll see. But. Um, it's going, to be, it's going to be a good thing to see for Southern Miss baseball as we roll toward the, uh, the start of this new season. What do we say? What were the numbers when we looked at them last week? 11th in per-game attendance and 9th in total attendance last season, I think it was. Which means, by the way, three of the top 11 in the country reside right here in the state of Mississippi in terms of total yeah. attendance and per-game attendance. It's incredible. People love it. People absolutely love it. I know we do. 100%. We're going to see three teams from Mississippi in the postseason this year?
1: Postseason? Yeah, Yeah. I think so this year. Yeah, I think so. may only have two hosts, but probably all three teams in. Yeah.
3: You just hope the trend of winning a title and finishing last does not continue. Ooh,
1: <laughs> Porky, you're gonna make people mad. Don't speak that into existence over on that side of the field. Come on now.
3: Well, what a- after what I say, the opposite happens. So, uh, so back to back. Yeah, I don't know if I want that either. Congrats, old Miss basketball, on the national championship you've got upcoming. That's <laughs> <You're laughs> going go wrong. Yeah, let the a, revs get hot. Gonna make a run all the way to the final four. Mm. I, I told the podcast audience that unless something happens, you're not going to get basketball content on this feed right now. So that means that they're going to rattle off like 20 wins in a row because I said that. So,
1: And we should mention it again. We mentioned it for the first time on Friday that uh, we will be in Oxford on February 16th, the day before opening day uh, at, at the stadium for a uh, sort of a repeat performance of last year. Hopefully not the awful weather that we had in Starkville last year, and hopefully we can get out there and have a great view and have a great time with uh, the defending national champions.
2: That was biblical rain the day before the season began it last was year insane. in Phil. It was insane. Mean, it the it only cost thing we us. We were going to have a great view out there
1: in right field, and instead it was like, hey, why are all those animals lining up?
2: Yeah, two by two. That was the uh, the plan a year ago. But yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun uh, to uh, to kick off a new baseball season. We'll be back with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Uh, over the course of the last few days, several of you have texted in and asked questions about the uh, Jerrell Poe story. And I don't even know that it's really fair to classify it as the Jerrell Poe story other than the fact that he is the most prominent and recognizable name in that story. There is uh, there's new reporting on that. Uh, a bunch of different media outlets have carried a story. I was reading it at uh, I guess wjtv.com earlier today. You can you can Google Jarrell Poe kidnapping and find the story and kind of read it uh, in a bunch of different places if you want to do that, guys. This is a wild story with twists and turns and absolutely more detail to come. Apparently, the central character in the story is a 28-year-old former Air Force member of the Air Force named Bryce Mathis, who... Reporting tells you is a serial entrepreneur, but there is plenty of evidence to suggest that more like it, he is a serial swindler. And the crux of the story is that this guy, Bryce Mathis, duped a bunch of people into giving him investment money for a medical marijuana growing operation that didn't exist. And he tried to kind of keep the investors apart from each other and tell bad things about the others so they wouldn't talk to each other. And they finally got their heads together and got this guy on a conference call. And he agreed to meet them at a bank in Ridgeland and pay them the money that they were owed, which is somewhere in the $300,000 range. That they had invested into his scheme, and when they got there, the bank was closed. Which, interestingly, if you read the story, is that, that that's been a common theme with other investors and other schemes that he has had along the way. When it came time to pay up, I'll meet you at the bank, or the bank is closed, or you know my debit card isn't working, or Venmo's down, or whatever. There was always an excuse when it came time to pay up or return money. And they agreed to spend the night at a hotel and go to the bank the next morning, and when they went to the bank the next morning, this guy Bryce Mathis claimed that he was being kidnapped and held against his will, and they had threatened to kill him and all of these things, and the police were called. And based on the way the story is written, the police were only interested in the alleged victim's side of the story, and not the side of the story of the investors who, the, who who did not physically or with any device restrain and had no weapons. I mean, it, it makes it sound like the only weapon was the sheer mass of Jarrell Poe. Sorry, he's six two three thirty, and you're not. Suffice it to say, Jarrell Poe's attorney and these other witnesses are telling a far different story than the story that Bryce Mathis told the authorities. And there are apparently plenty of text messages and emails and voicemails to back it up. And guess who's nowhere to be found? Bryce Mathis. The alleged victim in the story cannot be found and apparently won't return phone calls or text messages or emails or anything else.
3: No way. The
1: serial con man? Serial entrepreneur made me laugh a second ago. Did, did you to, like that? I had to stifle a chuckle on that. Serial entrepreneur, he said.
2: Message
1: if, if your business is snake oil.
2: Yeah. Message on the ceasefire text line says, "I'm told Bryce Mathis had twenty-eight dollars in his account, which is just shy of being able to cover the three hundred thousand that he needed."
1: Maybe if he just given him that and been like, "Look, this is what I can do right now," and then tomorrow we'll see what we got.
3: If his cell phone's on, you can find him, as I've learned, even if he's got the location services off. So just find those pings, and you'll get him.
2: Well, but the question is unlike in some scenarios where there is an all-out effort to find the perpetrator, if this guy is not considered to be a perpetrator by the Madison County District Attorney or the Ridgeland Police Department, then will there be an all-out effort
3: to find him? I think it's time to ask him some questions. Feels like it. Not, not accusing anybody of anything, but I, I do feel like there's some questions that need to be answered.
2: Somebody says my favorite quote from the story was the weapon was Poe sleeping on Mathis' legs in the hotel so
1: he couldn't run. <laughs> uh, so now we know if I ever need to like you know, keep Richard from going somewhere, I'm just gonna sleep on top of his legs. You're going nowhere, Richard.
2: You know, we have we have a game that we play at home. Um Obi loves it. And and it's Something that you probably have done with a family member somewhere along the way, although it has, I guess, a different name. We call it Trappy. He's like, hey daddy, let's play Trappy. And it's like, you know, you jump on the bed and like I just pin him in some, you know, pretzel, and then he tries to like wiggle his way out.
1: It's called the feats of strength. You do it every festivus.
2: Okay. Well, whatever it is that we're calling that, I don't want to play trappy
1: with Jarrell Poe. No, you're going to lose. You're going to lose bad. Yes. You might pass out. I'm just picturing Poe like, I'm going to sleep here. You ain't yeah. going nowhere because I'm going to sleep on your legs. Like, how quickly did the guy's legs fall asleep? He probably couldn't Ugh. walk for 24 hours after that.
2: Mm. Well, he was able to walk into the bank the next morning, eh. allegedly. Somebody allegedly. said, what recourse do you have for making a dumb investment? I get Borky. I guess that was you that responded fraud. Fraud. Yeah. yeah. If
1: somebody swindles, they a dumb investment where you 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 make a, a an unwise investment in a real company versus a company you've been given information of a company that does not in fact exist.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's like the people that bought the CryptoPunks. Like that was just a dumb investment. You knew what you were paying for. You were... The, the, yeah, the product actually existed. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a real thing. It was a stupid thing, but it was a real thing.
1: The people who yeah. bought the official Sports Talk Mississippi NFTs. Yeah. No, you mm-hmm. won't
3: get your
2: money back.
1: No, we're keeping that money.
2: This may take a long time to unsort,
1: or to yeah. sort. Yeah, it feels like I guess it you will. Don't unsort it. You sort it. Yeah, and it feels like that's going to be the case. It's hard. Just, just getting the guy into a courtroom is going to take some
3: time, I think. Yeah, you got to track. You got to track the guy down. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm no attorney, but I feel like you can't try a kidnapping case if the person that was kidnapped ran. You know, it's he has twenty
1: eight dollars, or trying to find a, a piece of plywood to take down to the Caymans.
3: Yeah, can you get to Mexico with twenty eight bucks?
2: So so go figure, the guy on the C Spire text line that was making Jarrell Poe reading jokes yesterday wants to push back on us about whether or not there was actually fraud here. He says, sounds like if there was a clear case of fraud, the police would be involved in finding him by now. Investing in an idiot isn't necessarily fraud. No, but an investment under uh, false pretenses is. Misallocation of investment resources
3: is. I do feel like if you're going to insult somebody's intelligence, you should also, you know, have your ducks in a row in terms of, you know, just basic understanding of things that you're making fun of him for. I don't know. I mean, just- I,
2: look, this is neither here nor there in this story. I do not know Jarrell Poe well, but I've met him a bunch of times, and he is quite literally one of the nicest people. I've ever met in my life, and that, that doesn't make him guilty or not guilty, it doesn't make him a good person or not a good person, it doesn't mean that he is capable or not capable of anything, it simply means that he is a nice person, or extremely personable, maybe that's the better way to describe it. Oh, here we go. So are you accusing the police of not doing their jobs? No. I'm not sure. to this point, but it does feel like it's an unfinished job at this point. Which is totally
3: fun. Yeah. Just get it right, and, and it'll be fun. Whatever the right answer is, but... I, I mean, I haven't been arrested myself, but my understanding of legal proceedings is... The people that investigate stuff like this take time because they want to make sure they get it right. Yeah. So they're probably just taking their time. You know.
2: I am telling you that this individual, James Mathis, has a pattern of behavior over an extended period of time and has previously been charged with wire fraud. But yet yeah, it feels like there's still some more work to be done in terms of the investigation. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Huh. Ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet
2: you can subscribe to uh, Supertalk Mississippi, Mississippi News' This Week in Mississippi newsletter, and you'll get the news stories you need to know from the most powerful name in Mississippi news delivered to your email inbox. To sign up for free, go to supertalk.fm slash newsletter. That's supertalk.fm. Slash newsletter. Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and Brian Haydad. Glad to be with you this afternoon. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. How about to wrap up this four o'clock hour? We go with one of Michael Borky's favorites Fair or Foul? From The official Dallas Cowboys Twitter feed, at Dallas Cowboys, this tweet, with a link to a story at dallascowboys.com. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't, again, generate self-inflicted wounds. From the official Dallas Cowboys Twitter feed, now, I do think there's an element of you need to read the story also. Because the headline on the story written by Patrick Walker is Dak on loss to 49ers, quote, unacceptable, 100% on me. So it's a story built around his quotes postgame, taking blame for the loss. But it's not really what we're used to seeing on an official Twitter account. No. I don't think that at Hale State you would see a headline like that about a Mississippi State player. I don't think at at Old Miss I'm just Rebels picturing, or say, I'm ahead. just
1: picturing, you know Well I'm just picturing, you know, Joel Coleman, my my former podcast host, writes those those articles now. I'm just picturing Joel just being like, Will Rogers sucked today and that's why state lost. Here's your story. Like I I would laugh really hard if that happened.
3: I'll be honest with you. Differences, though, Dak Prescott's contract is more valuable than Mississippi State's athletic budget. No doubt. Literally.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt.
3: Yeah. I mean, see, seeing a
2: tweet at Ole Miss Sports that says, Bonehead decision to go for it four times on fourth down backfires – as Lane Kiffin leads rebels to loss, maybe we're onto something. you, you know, and maybe there's a truth in advertising. E- even if there is a story where Lane Kiffin takes the blame for the loss because of decisions <laughs> made on Ford. Again, this is hypothetical. <laughs> Talking about the Dallas Cowboys, is it simply the difference in professional sports and college sports, or no? Is this foul?
1: This is foul. You're the you're the, 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 the you're the propaganda wing for your franchise you're supposed to you know make it make it feel good make it feel right that's not that is not the way that should have gone uh, that's surprising that it happened like that
3: it's true you don't do but funny you, you shouldn't do stuff like that from from the official team account but man I saw a lot of people and you know how social media is everybody's fake outrage while they sit on their couch in silence and type like they're super mad but they're really not they just think that it you know makes them feel virtuous if they're mad. Look at the replies and the quotes to some of that. Some people are laughing. Others are like, this is terrible public relations. How dare you? It's like, he said it. People do it about coaches as well. During football season, when the coach says, I made a mistake, and then we or people in our position say, they made a mistake there. Why would you say that? Well, because your coach did. Coach called it unacceptable. Why? So, so if he says it, if Dak Prescott says, I'm why we lost, why is it a problem when the Cowboys say he's why they lost? Because those are his words. And you're paying him $160 million to not throw two interceptions in a playoff game. So when he says it, it's not outrageous or terrible or how dare you when you parrot his words. So you shouldn't do that. But the people that were so mad for the $160 million quarterback cracked me up. It's like he doesn't need you to defend him. He's fine. Hmm. He's, he's fine. He's cashing checks. He's probably on vacation with his Instagram model girlfriend right now, somewhere in the Caribbean, just enjoying life. And You're then big on
2: this Instagram girlfriend model well, thing, aren't because you?
3: Because Cliff Kingsbury's. Girlfriend is a, a very popular Instagram model, you, and I believe Dak uh, Prescott is also. Have very... you
1: seen some of the girls on Instagram? You, sh- you should be big on those girls. They are, they they are worthy of our attention.
3: <laughs> but he's fine. I mean, you, you don't have to come to the come to the defense of the 160 million dollar quarterback. He he's okay. He's he's tough. <laughs> those were his words. But no, as the propaganda yeah. arm of the team, you shouldn't do that.
2: Jason says, "I don't get why state fans are whining about that. They're echoing Dak himself, and it's 100% fact. Toughen up, Buttercup. Who are who are the
1: state fans? It's Cowboy you, fans that are whining. You, I'm not whining. I it thought wrong. it was funny. It is wrong, but it's wrong for anybody. Two things can be true at once.
2: Sports yeah. Talk, Mississippi, five o'clock hour. College football fix next." <music>
0: Sports Talk, Mississippi. Yeah. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Welcome again. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon, the 24th of January. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. We always talk about the sports book, and we always talk about Dancing Rabbit. How about food? We sure do like to talk about food. And man, have they got you covered on the food at Pearl River Resort. Whether you are looking for fine dining or the most casual, with pretty much everything in between, got you all set. So the, the, the most casual would be the uh, the food that we get sometimes at the sports book. And sandwiches, chicken tenders, fries, sliders, the whole deal. It's all good. The fine That's dining good. piece of it would be Philip M's. I mean, as good a steak as you'll find anywhere. And then you want in the middle, Mama and M. Fresh Gulf seafood like redfish and oysters, as well as fried chicken, dumplings, meatloaf, burgers, thick cut bologna sandwiches. They've got it all at Mama and M inside the Golden Moon Casino at Pearl River Resort. For more information, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Morkey, you look like you had something to say. Just talking food, and you started kind of head on a no. swivel. Okay, making sure. Everybody talk about coaches and cash. Well, we can do that, and you can uh, talk with us as well on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395 to find the latest deals that C Spire has going for you, especially if you are looking to add a line or add new service. Go to cspire.com and find all of their deals right there online, available to you, again, at cspire.com. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Winning requires the right game plan, like the impressive towing and payload, that you will only find in a 2023 Ford F-150. No wonder F-Series is America's best-selling truck for 46 straight years. The 2023 Ford F-150 greatness starts here. So, a uh, a-, a good day for the Heupel children not that they were necessarily worried about how one day they were going to be able to pay for college but for mom and dad college tuition got a little bit easier even if dad's not still employed by a university when college time comes around a hefty raise
3: for Josh Heupel you're happy for him Borky? Oh totally I did love to take that oh this is really going to help with Tennessee recruiting it's like what? No, it's not. No, it, it'll it change, change the thing. Nothing. But good for him. I, I did not know that... Um, never mind. I was going to make a joke, but I'll refrain. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Josh Eiffel lands an extension. No, no need to sour relationships. I know it's a touchy subject.
2: And the raise takes him to uh, $9 million a year. A $4 million raise... We'll take Heupel to fifth among SEC head football coaches in terms of salary. This story says the only four higher are Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher, and Brian Kelly. So yeah, that's true. And then he's tied with uh, Lane Kiffin at nine million dollars. So you've got Nick Saban at eleven point seven, Kirby Smart at eleven and a quarter, Brian Kelly and Jimbo Fisher both at nine and a half million. And Lane Kiffin and Josh Heupel now both at
1: $9 million per year. And in the way it's staggered in year one, it's like eight point five for Kiffin. So, like, he'll catch up next year or something yeah. like that. I don't know. So, big day for – you said big day for the kids, but also big day for his for his parents. I'm sure Hank and Peggy have never been prouder of their son. Nailed <laughs> it. That boy is doing good by me, I'll tell you what.
3: I just uh, – I- I, I thought that in order to get a raise, you had to use other open jobs to leverage your athletic department to get it. <laughs>
1: yes.
3: Get there, Borky. Do it. I, yeah. I didn't know that you could get a raise up to $9 million without having to cause chaos within your within your school. But, but it also
2: brings up the question that you love to ask. Who was Tennessee bidding against? Who you bid against? Ross Bjork. Slipped into Danny White's office and decided to negotiate this new contract for Josh oh. Piper.
1: In fairness, though, he had done a job that deserved a raise. You know, this, this isn't where, you know, this oh, isn't Jimbo I... Fisher going eight and four and getting getting a raise. This is, we won 11 games and we're going to be, we look like we're poised to be a good program going forward. Give the man his, his due. How yeah, about a $4 million raise? Well, no, they got it. They I guess
3: they ain't yeah, but, but uh, they, ain't, they ain't
1: out on the street with a cup full of pencils.
3: They're not, but they, uh, who are you negotiating against? <laughs> what, what happens if if this was a flash in the pan and and Hooker just oh. carried them and and then they fall backwards. It's a That's the thing. There's there's, there's only the, so many wins to go the price around. The pay. Right? Not everybody can go 11 and 1. So you've got very highly paid football coaches, and they are going to lose because they you have to. It's a math thing. There's no ties in the SEC. So when a game is played, a $9 million coach has to win and a $9 million coach has to lose. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, I remember when it wasn't long ago when it was some coach is going to be making $4 million to finish last in the SEC West. Well, yeah. Mississippi State kind of ruined that fun, but we could say some coach is going to make $9 million to finish last in the SEC West.
1: Well, I mean, outside of uh, Arnett, you know, 5.25 is the lowest you can go to finish last in the West. Yeah. A yeah. C-
2: couple of things here. Um, the normal buyout stuff, right? I mean, if uh, Tennessee wants to fire him before De- middle December 2025, they owe him 100% of what they owe him, 75% of what he's owed between 2025 and 2027, 50% on December 15th of 2027. The incentive package, that's always fun. 100000 for making a bowl game, up to a million for winning a national championship, 50 dollars for finishing in the top 25, 100000 for finishing in the top 10, for the top five, as well as additional money for playing the SEC championship game, winning coach of the year, academic progress rates, uh, and increased private jet usage.
3: You need that. Yeah, I've heard that's a sticking point in some contract negotiations.
2: If Heupel were to leave Tennessee, he would owe the school $8 million before December 15th of this year, $6 million Uh. uh, until December of 2024, and then it goes down a million a year. Hypel <laughs> with the quote that you would absolutely expect him to make. Our staff takes great pride in representing the power T, and it's something we never take for granted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, rocky top, yada, yada. All right. This is just statement of fact. It's not picking on Period. When you look at the SEC coaching salaries, and we don't know what Clark Lee makes at Vanderbilt, there is a hey, one of these things is not like the other. Saban making 11.7, half the league making, uh, over half the league making more than 7 million. Beamer and Freeze at six and a half, Drinkwoods at six, Sam Pittman five and a quarter. Then Zach Arnett's at $3 million.
3: Real quick, mm-hmm. why did Auburn give free six and a half? That just that also seems unnecessary. Why he, he was taking your job? Because you didn't have to fight for anything. Ego. Theirs and his.
2: No. Go ahead, hey, Dad.
1: Not, not gonna make a joke. No. Nope. Go ahead. Been funny if they gave him six point nine. Nice. <laughs> I got him. I got him on that one. He can't even talk. <laughs> He had to mute himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway, to get to your point, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I, I kind of agree. I mean, it's it's weird, but Arnett's a, a, never been a head coach and came into the job in, in, we'll say, unusual circumstances. My guess is if in two years – He has, if he has the kind of year I would think State was supposed to have this year, and then he follows it up with another good year in 2024, they might even double him after two years to get him up into the six range. So, we'll see. I mean, I I was thinking about that the other day. Like, if Leach were still here, what would they have done? Would they have bumped him up to like six and a half, seven million this year? Because he was at I think five and a half. Is it five and a half coming off of a nine win season, bringing back what should be your best team? Give him a raise, you know? So, I
2: mean, do you remember when $3 million was the highest salary in the SEC? It yeah. wasn't that I remember long when ago. Saban
1: got hired for four, and everybody was just mind blown by that. Yeah. Nick
3: Saban making 11.7, and incentives will easily get him over 12. Why don't we talk about sustainability with stuff like this? Why is it only the players making a few hundred grand? Why is it not the $12 million coaches that has people crying for sustainability? This is a problem for
2: schools. I don't know yeah. that they have any recourse, but but this has become a significant problem. Hard to put the toothpaste back in the
0: tube, though. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo?
2: Yes, sir. Line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. If you want to be a part of the conversation, here is your chance. So, Wayne and Brandon, how much of a student's tuition goes to athletic budgets? Um, tuition. I, I'm trying to like not put a quali- qualifier on this. There are places that have student fees. That are tied to athletics, that is not usually the case in the SEC.
3: Yeah. What college are you talking about? You, you, you're talking about Newberry College? Then maybe some. you you're talking about Alabama? Well, no. Yeah. I don't think there are any
2: student fees that help supplement athletics at Ole Miss or at Mississippi State. Yeah, you know, there was a time where, you know, you're. And I, look, I, I'm talking out of my rear end here because I don't know the exact numbers, but there was a time where you could like get student football tickets at Ole Miss for 25 bucks or 40 bucks or something like that. They're more expensive than that now, but it's not like the cost of a season ticket if you are buying 50-yard line seats. I am told that the student fee at Ole Miss is zero. So no student money goes toward athletic budget at Ole Miss. I I think that's the case at Mississippi State as well. But the flip side of that, Dwayne, is that there are a lot of places that do not have the luxury of having TV contracts and postseason revenue money like schools in the SEC do, where they're doing the best they can to compete with whatever they've got. And so, to supplement that budget, there's a student fee that's involved. Could be a hundred bucks. It could be four hundred bucks, or whatever. And then you start multiplying that times the number of students, and it becomes a significant line item in your your athletics budget. But no, generally speaking, in the SEC, that is not the case. Um. Let's see here. Brian says head coach salary is out of control.
3: It is. That, that's back to the question: Why is it the NIL that people are so focused on and mad about? Why does that make people? I, I read an article earlier. It was quoting somebody in athletics administration about how, oh, that we've got a donor that's giving money to NIL and, and not to my department, and it, it sounds terrible. Sure, and, it, and maybe it makes your job harder, but then why are you paying a coach a ridiculous salary then? And I know the answer because you have to if the coach is winning because your fans demand it. It's it's a catch twenty two, double edged sword, whatever expression you want to use. Keith Carter had no choice but to pay Lane Kiffin. He had no choice. Could you imagine? I, I was going to say let let's use Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin as an example. What the fan reaction would have been had Ole Miss not fought and fought. And fought to to keep keep oh excuse me to keep Lane Kiffin away from Auburn. If they would have just decided, you know, seven point two is enough. Sorry, Lane, enjoy the plains. What the fan reaction would have been if you do that and turn around and hire I don't know Dave Clawson? Is Keith Carter comfortable in his job today? No. There would have been outrage call, calling for his termination. It, it would have been horrible. No, I mean, noise wouldn't even describe how mad people would have been at him had he not fought to the death for to keep Lane Kiffin on their campus. So now, what now the what flip choice side did he that. have?
2: Right, right. So the flip side of that is, and this is not a haves and have-nots conversation. I, I don't think you get to claim being a have-not if you're part of the SEC with, with an overall budget. North of a hundred million dollars, but even within, and I, I've I've used this example before in the past. Maybe people say it's too much, but I've used it. You you live in a really you live in the nicest neighborhood. If you're making Power Five conferences neighborhoods, the, the neighborhood that is the SEC and the neighborhood that is the Big Ten are nicer than everybody else's by by a significant amount. But if you're Ole Miss. We're talking about in this situation or Mississippi state. The house that you live in in that neighborhood is by any measure anywhere in the United States, an exceptionally nice house, but it's not anywhere close to the nicest or the biggest house in your neighborhood because a few houses down the street, that's where Georgia lives and that's where Texas A&M lives, and that's where Texas is going to live, that's where Alabama lives, and they just make a lot more money than you do. That's where Tennessee lives. Now, now here's like the really simple part of the equation, right? If you want to say, well, well, why, how, how do you make up the gap? You don't. And and that's that's a disappointing reality. Tennessee Stadium seats thirty-two thousand people more than Ole Miss's stadium. Seats thirty-seven thousand people more than Mississippi State Stadium. Same thing in College Station. Sanford Stadium in Athens is thirty thousand seats bigger than either Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and they're larger schools, so there's a larger donor base, and they're in larger markets, and so there is a larger advertising. Like it's, so what do you do? You have to absolutely make the most of every opportunity to have success when that window opens. Hey, Dad loves to talk about windows, right? In a Mississippi State, he uses the example of Mississippi State, in a five-year window, one down year, three years that are pretty consistent in that seven, eight, nine win range, and then one year where everything falls right and you ought to be able to get to double-digit wins. If everything works the way it's supposed to, when you get to that window where you can get to double-digit wins, and your tickets are at a premium and your stadium's full and people want to advertise and they want to be a part of it and all those things. You have to take advantage. You can't miss that opportunity. And then the hope is when you hit that window, not only do you capitalize on it in that, in, in real time, but that you can build on that so that that window comes around more often. Right. So, so a negative example of that in the case of Ole Miss would be 2004. Right. So you're coming off of the Eli Manning era and you're coming off a 10 win season and a cotton bowl victory and people are excited. And then you immediately take a step back, but you, you, you didn't build on the momentum of success with an Eli Manning at quarterback. Well, it's kind of in that spot right now also, right? A lot of hype, a lot of success around Lane Kiffin in his first three years. Took a little bit of a backslide at the end of the season. We know that. Can't afford to take another backslide or status quo. If you're going to pay $9 million for a head coach at a place where you maybe can't really afford to pay $9 million for a head coach, but you don't feel like you have a choice, to your point just a second ago, Borky, you better capitalize on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Because those same people, those exact same people, Borky, who would have been mad at Keith Carter if he had allowed Lane Kiffin to get away, will be the same ones screaming, you got to get rid of this bum if there's a six-win season. You're paying him $9 million. You can't win six games and go to the Liberty Bowl. Get him out of here. You have to take advantage. yeah. And that's the razor blade you live on in college athletics right now. So you want to be an athletics director. I'll take the salary. <laughs> well, yeah. Pretty well earned these days. Uh, hell, I, I'll if t- you're able to balance on that,
3: that tightrope. I'll take the salary of most of the players <laughs> at this point. Based on some things you hear, Borky will just take whatever money you're willing to give him. True,
1: he'll take he'll take Bryce Mathis as twenty eight bucks.
2: <laughs> but if you don't know who Bryce Mathis is, you've got some reading to do. Yeah,
3: quick Google search. It's available. Google the, the
1: literature is available. Google yeah. it.
3: That sounds uh, a heck of a lot more dangerous when it comes to sustainability than Jaden Rashada going to Colorado. That's just me. Mike sends
2: us a message. He says baseball tickets went up 30% after a national championship. You know what they're going to do? They're going to set a season ticket record this year. People are willing to pay for big wins. Winning cures all. I mean, do you think there's one person that didn't renew their season ticket because it went up 30% this year? I doubt it. Maybe one. They'd make up the difference, though. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: next. Keep
4: it moving, buddy.
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: This time, been a long time long
2: welcome back sports talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV we've gone two and a half hours into the show I probably should mention that today is my wife's birthday happy birthday to Jane she's the best man I, I mean I, I I get that I'm biased we'll little, little close to the situation uh great mom, the best wife, so proud of her watching her grow her business, tackling new things, full of energy. Lucky dude me to uh to get to be with her. So happiest of birthdays to Jane. Probably not listening, but that's okay. Um it's been a uh, been a good day. It's been fun celebrating her for the last uh, last few days and uh happy birthday, Mama Jane. So uh, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. What are you laughing about, Borky?
3: Uh, I don't know if it's appropriate for air, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, one of the people at Barstool, uh, Kate, she's hilarious, um, does a military podcast. She's ex-Marine, and and she's hysterical. You wouldn't know it if you listened to her either way. she there, There's a sign in East Rutherford, New Jersey, that says, Home of the Giants and the Jets. And she went out to the sign and Covered up the S, so home of the giant, and then underneath it put up a different sign that said farts, right? Home of the giant farts. Somebody called the police on her. And they, <laughs> and they showed up. And uh, they let her go because they thought it was funny, too. But, like, somebody wanted her to, to get issued a citation and put in cuffs at arrest. <laughs> Does this have anything to do with my wife's birthday, or was no, that just a it, complete nonsense? It popped up on my screen, and, oh, okay. and I was laughing. Okay. No, I was not laughing at your wife's birthday. That's awesome. It just it popped up. It got sent to me, so I clicked on it, and I see a big sign. Welcome to East Rutherford, home of... I've got a three-year-old. Okay, something like this is funny to me, but it's a home I of understand. The, the giant farts, and then there's... Video no, 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 it's not just you have a
1: three-year-old. Up. It's funny. It's funny. I laughed. <laughs> of course, I am a three-year-old. So
3: yeah, me too, but... <laughs> people would tell you. <laughs> they, they they told her that they could cite her for vandalism. Like, she didn't deface the side. She taped up a, a, a white cover up, and then the worst. <laughs> oh, I'm a child. It's fun. I so say that oh, we all are at heart.
1: It's okay. It's okay.
2: Um. Oh, Borky. You just got corrected. There's no such thing as an ex-Marine or a former Marine. Once ah. a Marine, always a Marine. That's a thing, by the
3: way, with Marines. That's uh, hey, and I, I I will not hate you for it, or, or even mock you for it. But yeah, she uh, she was a Marine, and uh, is abs Kate Barcel on social media. If you want to follow her, she is just funny as can be, and um, the the military podcast I listen to sometimes just what life is like, like just living in that life as as Marines, and and they talk to people that were in other branches as well. You. You know, you think you have an idea of what something's going to be like based on movies or, or whatever, like prison. Like, I, I have an idea in my head of what prison would be like, and then you listen to somebody talk about what prison is like, and it's not the same. Same thing there. I mean, just the, the stuff that they go through and deal with on a daily basis is just so different, obviously, than, than a normal life, but different from even what, like, popular culture tells you it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: And then Brandon says, "Unless they were dishonorably discharged,
1: yes, the well actually got well actually. You don't see that every day. <laughs> the very any. rare double well actually. Yeah, it's like a double eagle."
2: Vorky, um, there is a a poll that you think we should steal and talk about
3: just a bit from Dan Patrick. Yeah, um, I find it interesting. Actually, I think it's worth talking about. So they were. I was actually listening to this when they brought it up, and, and then, of course, they put it on social media. But the things that if you're betting or a fan of any of these four teams, just watching, and they were talking about quarterback specifically, what is the thing about the quarterback that should concern you the most? And they picked, like, the biggest flaw that each one has. For example, their option for Mahomes was his ankle. How concerned are you about his ankle? It's a high ankle sprain. Just six days to heal, didn't look good. Jalen Hurts' his shoulder, is he 100%? It's kind of hard to play quarterback with a bum shoulder. Brock Purdy's lack of experience. I mean, he's been winning, but he hadn't done this. He hadn't played in an NFC Championship game in Philly. Is that something you're worried about? Their option for Burrow, the only thing that they could come up with was like his arrogance. Or his cockiness could that be his detriment? And you could tell when they were talking about it. They're like, "I don't know what he's bad at, so I got to pick something here." Yeah. But I loved the question. What of these quarterbacks? If you're betting the games, watching the games, if you're a fan, should you be most concerned about going into the games this weekend?
2: I think for this weekend, you've got to do it in groups of twos, right? You got to take yeah. the you got to take Mahomes and Burrow. And then you gotta take Hurts and Purdy. So are you more concerned about Patrick Mahomes' ankle or Joe Burrow's cockiness? I'm way more concerned about whether or not Pat Mahomes can push off at that ankle than I am Joe Cool having some swagger walking into Arrowhead. I love that's not that a, actually.
1: That's not even a concern. That's a bonus. No. That's a
3: feature. No. Yes. You could hear yeah. them kind of saying, like, what is he bad at? Does anybody have any idea what he's bad at? Let me know. Yeah. I mean, clearly playing in the cold is not an
2: issue for him. He was just lights out in a snowstorm. Not to mention Cincinnati can be cold enough on its own. He's healthy. For the most part, the rest of his team's healthy. Uh, what about in the other game? You're more concerned with... Jalen Hurts shoulder or Brock Purdy's lack of experience? That. Now let me ask you this. Does Jalen Hurts have that much experience in a moment like this? No.
3: But he did play in championship games at the college level. Very, very different thing. Yeah. But but he did. This is third year. Iowa State did not with Brock Purdy. Iowa State did not. Um, third year getting starts in the NFL, only a second year is the starter. But still, third year getting starts in the league, and he is at home. Which does matter some. Mark Purdy's never played in the championship game of any kind. Not not like this. Mark Purdy hadn't not played a full season in the NFL. Had, hadn't had played a full season in the NFL that that. I think Mahomes' ankle is bigger, though, because who he's playing against. I mean, you, you don't need great quarterback play to win with this 49ers roster, and I don't think Jalen Hurts has to be great to win either. It's, a, it's a, such a fascinating game in this league when you've got two quarterbacks that mm-hmm. don't have to be perfect to win their game to go to the Super Bowl. On the other side, if you're going to outduel the other, you've got to be basically perfect. Even with Mahomes' ankle... You're not beating Burrow playing bad. You're not beating Mahomes playing bad. Or even average. If you're
2: Kyle Shanahan, do you at some point this week pull Brock Purdy aside and say, hey, it's a big moment. It's an important moment for our team. It's an important moment for our franchise. You don't have to be Joe Montana. You don't have to be Joe Montana. We need you to go play clean. We need you to make the plays that are there. Don't try to force it. Protect the football. We'll rely on our defense. Don't go try to be more than you are. And we're not saying that you're not capable of big plays. Go make big plays when they're available. But don't go try to be Joe Montana when you got eight starts in the NFL and you're playing to get to the Super Bowl. Does Kyle Shanahan have a conversation anything like that with
1: him this week? I doubt it. Would you I think you just no I just be like you know what if you think you're Joe Montana go out there and beat Joe Montana go let it fly you kid. can do it great let it fly let it rip this feel I like wouldn't they're say playing anything that money. makes them think they can't do it yeah
2: I don't know when you're a win away from the Super Bowl yeah can you take can you go house money because you,
3: you don't know how many options you how many chances you got to get there you might call the game said Dan Marino uh, maybe not had that conversation, but you, you might call the game to kind of protect them a little bit because you can. Like being conservative, if you're San Francisco, means getting Christian McCaffrey the football, or getting Debo Samuel the football, or throwing it to one of the best tight ends in the league. Or I mean, th- th- their second option at receiver is Ayuk, like objectively very good player. So you don't have to, you don't have to do much. Just just get it to them, get it to these guys. And if you're in Shanahan's so, so, mind, I don't so, think so me Philly you can, can guard them all. So just get it to him and let him work. Is there more pressure on Brock Purdy to go out and play well?
2: Or on Kyle Shanahan to call a game that allows Brock Purdy to be the best that he can be? Shanahan. It's his job to scheme up ways to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey, whether you're handing it off to him or getting, him to, getting it to him out of the backfield. To scheme up ways to get it to Debo Samuel, to get George Kittle open, to use those skill sets?
3: Yeah. Hmm.
2: Gonna be a fun Sunday coming up. Yeah, it is. Both sides, AFC and NFC. We'll wrap it up with you next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports
0: Talk Mississippi. Oh, my
1: God! What is-
0: your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Back sports talk, Mississippi. One last time. Reminder: You've got uh, Ole Miss basketball coming up at the top of the hour. Six o'clock tip-off against Missouri at the Pavilion. The game is on SEC Network. If you want to watch it, you can do just that. Ole Miss and Missouri. Mississippi State plays at Alabama in the late game tomorrow night. There are three games tonight in the SEC. Arkansas, LSU is about to tip off in Fayetteville. And uh, you got Vandy hosting Kentucky at 8 o'clock tonight on SEC Network. The Baseball Writers Association has said that there is only one man this year that is worthy of entering the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland with... 76.3% of the ballots uh, cast uh, is named to the Hall of Fame in his sixth year of eligibility. Just missing out, former Rockies first baseman Todd Helton, he got 72.2% of the vote. There were 27 players listed on the Hall of Fame ballot. One was worthy in the minds of the Baseball Writers Association of America. Got to wait five years after you're out of the game, and then you have a ten-year window in which you can be voted in. Uh, Scott Rowland in, Todd Helton just out, Billy Wagner sixty-eight percent, Andrew Jones fifty-eight percent, Gary Sheffield fifty-five percent, Beltron, Arod gets thirty-five percent, Manny Ramirez thirty-three percent,
3: Pettit seventeen percent. Okay. Whatever, Great player. He's in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds is not. Yep. Uh,
2: 17 years, seven-time All-Star, played with the Phillies, Cardinals, Blue Jays, and the Reds. Eight gold gloves, fourth most all-time for a third baseman. 97 NL Rookie of the Year, Cardinals when they won the World Series in 2006. Okay.
3: But yeah, your point is a good one. It's a museum. It's what it is.
2: How about the sham of the voting process? Scott Rowland, in his first year of eligibility, was named on just 10% of the ballots. And in year six, he's named on 76% of the ballots.
1: What did he do in those, those at that, that time that improved Oh, the he got
2: progressively math. better. Hit more home yeah. runs, a lot of doubles, on-base percentage was outstanding. Struck out a lot, but nobody cares about strikeouts anymore. That's not part of the game. No. Anyway. Um, I've avo- I have shouldn't say I've avoided this. I just didn't know exactly how to hit it because it's sad and there's not much information here. Malik Ewing, who is a freshman on the Old Miss men's basketball team, was involved in a one-car vehicle incident that resulted in a fatality. Happened on January 11th. Uh, In a statement from Ole Miss News, which is the official Twitter account for the university, three-part tweet today that said the University of Mississippi Police Department is investigating a one-car motor vehicle incident that occurred January 13th, sorry, I said the 11th, involving a student that resulted in the death of a visitor to campus. The victim sustained uh, severe injuries and was taken by helicopter to a Memphis hospital where he later died from his injuries. Our thoughts and condolences are with the victim's family and loved ones during this difficult time. Due to the uh, the ongoing investigation protections outlined under FERPA, we are not at liberty to share any more information at this time, including the student's name. Malik Ewan has been identified as the student and the victim, 19-year-old Brandon Coates of Lilburn, Georgia, who was apparently an acquaintance of Malik Ewan's, who is also From that area He's from Lawrenceville, Georgia And has missed this his last three games For personal reasons We obviously know what those are now Um, And again I wasn't avoiding that story today I just don't know what you add to it Other than it's really, really sad Regardless of the circumstances It's sad
3: It's tragic And there's nothing to add until we know To this point no arrest has been made At least as far as we understand it so. Yeah, that's all we got.
2: Yeah. Sorry to end the show on a downer. That was not my intention. I just felt like I needed to mention it. Oh, here's something for you. Chris Stapleton singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl this year. So you got Rihanna at halftime and Stapleton singing the national anthem. That's pretty good one two punch there. <laughs> Jane Cross, birthday girl, will be tuned into the Super Bowl to watch the National Anthem. She loves her some Chris Stapleton. Kind of hard not to. Impossible. So good. So good. All right, thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Ole Miss Hoops coming up. They tip off in about five minutes. Same thing for Arkansas and LSU. Kentucky Vanderbilt is at eight tonight. We'll talk about those. We'll look at Mississippi State's game tomorrow. We'll continue 25 teams in 25 days. And a whole lot more with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night.